Oh, great. Okay, so back to the good old days, man. Journey. When wrestling was wrestling. <laughs> no, nothing really went wrong in terms of, you know, WCW. Because, uh, you know, after we got the New World Order going, it, it, it really took the wrestling business, you know, to a new level. Back to the old days where... People were throwing stuff in the ring and diving over the rails to beat up the bad guys. I mean, they went nuts. It, it, it was um, it was huge, and the ratings were doing like an eleven. I mean, it was unbelievable. You know how hot it was, but it, it, it's not the thing that happened. Was Ted Turner, who was a wrestling fan. And always had wrestling on TBS when it first started because it was a show that got ratings. He sold out. He sold out his company to uh, some other company. I don't know if it was AOL or Turner or Time Warner. You know, it became Time Turner Time Warner. Yeah, Time Warner. And when Ted sold out, I wish he would have done it different, but he gave up more than fifty-one percent. And the people running Time Warner that now owned you know, TBS or TNT, whatever, they didn't want sports. They didn't want wrestling. They didn't want the parades. They didn't want basketball. So nothing went wrong. It was that WCW, due to the new ownership, got canceled. And nobody knew it. It was like a secret for a while because... They still had to go for like another year because they had contracts with pay-per-view cable companies and syndicated TV companies, you know. But it was it was it was basically just canceled by the new owners, which was a stupid mistake because it was the biggest show they had. And but uh, and yeah, the but then that that what. Uh, well, that's what and that, that, that was the demise was it was canceled out of stupidity, but it's not like anything bad within WCW happened. I don't know. I, I guess you already know. I trained Bill Goldberg, Dallas Page, Kevin Nash, the Giant, uh, Paul White, and Kevin Green, and Mongo, and all of them guys. You know, it was probably about 80 to 100 people, and what people don't realize, the power plant was actually in three locations. Uh, so uh, we eventually ended up at the office uh, under Paul Lorndorf. Uh, Jody Hamilton is the one that trained me, the assassin. So uh, I was, you know, and Lee Anderson actually was the one recommending me to go down to Jody. So, uh, that's saying a lot, you know, so I I felt like I just stepped in the right place at the right time, you know, and well, uh, you know, I actually just took the ball and ran with it. I, you know, uh, it, it was nothing that was ever just gave to me, uh, you know, uh, back in them days, you had to earn your spot, you know, there was, uh, there was no give or take or anything, so you know, once I started wrestling and stuff, I, uh, I, you know, even the top guys, I, you know, I was calling the matches for them uh, as well. So, uh, but yeah, uh, I was, 
you know, Jody and uh, Ole, and I know a lot of people talk bad about Ole, but one thing about him, if you could wrestle, he he would work, use you. Uh, they fired the Samoan SWAT team, and uh, Ole put me and Dale, uh, State Patrol, against the signers for three weeks in a row. Uh, so, uh, so uh, you know, I've... I've I feel like I was blessed, you know, to be at that. And, uh, yes, sir. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and, uh, there were, I mean, there's over a hundred and something people that I've trained in three locations. So, uh, well, basically I'm trying to get the brain cells kicked in, but I was in the AWA and, we finally got burned to shut it down, which we were trying to do for like a year or so before he did it. But then I got a call from Jim Hurd to come to WCW and a, and a hell of an offer. So I went great. So I wound up going down and it was, I'm thinking 1991-ish, maybe. Well, yeah, I mean, it was amazing. It was a time when like, the business was, was like, you know, Ted Ted Turner was in his basement printing money out of a machine, and and there was a a bunch of guys that, yeah, that kind of lucked out, and, and but they were giving each other, you know, I mean, they were giving the guys big contracts because they didn't want them going back and forth between the WWE and WCW, so both promotions started giving contracts, which. Years before, there was never any contracts. It was a pretty brutal business. It was a two-week notice, and if you got hurt, see ya. <laughs> it was, you know, it was. Well, you know what? You just it just cracks me up because I'm remembering some things. <laughs> and and this the contract and the big money giveaway started before Eric and Watts. In fact, you mentioned o Ole Anderson, right? Ole Anderson you know, in the early nineties was in there in WCW at the beginning. And he was, and he was telling, and he was pulling his hair out because when I got there, I remember him saying, yeah, tonight, tomorrow night we're in Albany, uh, just drive down 75 South. You'll see a big white building with an empty parking lot. Cause none of the guys were over at that time. You know, the business was kind of in a slump. So he called it. You'll see an empty parking lot. That's where the show is. And, and he's pulling his hair out because he's, you know, giving these guys big contracts. And I said, well, why? They're, they're not drawing money. I came from a time where you had to draw money or you didn't eat. You know, it's a difference. And here's, here's what Ole's answer was. Ole told me that because, you know, Ted Turner wanted WCW to be big that he put a bunch of money in it and always boss, you know, from the TBS business side. Cause Ole used to talk to this guy. God, I can't remember his name. Damn it. But he was, he was the, the TBS boss guy, you know, under Ted over Ole. And Ole would said, why are you giving these guys so much money? And the guy's answer to Ole was Ole, if I don't get rid and spend all this money, I'll get fired because they won't think I'm doing my job. No, that was the answer. I mean, they Ted wanted to just 
print money and give it out and do whatever. And this guy's job was to make sure the money was spent. And if the money wasn't spent, yeah, if the money wasn't spent, he said, I'd I get fired. And he wouldn't think I'm doing my job. <laughs> yeah, God, I'm trying to remember his name. You remember uh, his daughter worked for the company. I can't remember his name. Damn it! It's a long time ago. Yeah, I was going to chime in and say, you know, it went through a book committee. Uh, Dusty ran it for a while, uh, it, and you know, so there. I mean, I've actually been to a, a TV taping up in South Carolina, and it got canceled because there wasn't enough people there. And that had to cost a fortune, you know. Uh, but you know, uh, you know, I I just think that the suits at WCW at the time they thought it, you know, it saved Turner at one time. That's what when it was Georgia Championship Wrestling, it and Ted just had the uh, the billboards going on, right? So. That's why he hung on to WCW and, and wanted to, uh, well, NWA then. Uh, so, uh, anyway, uh, and I just think they got to thinking, well, why would we spend this money when we could just put a movie in, you know? And in the beginning of the end, you know, when Ted got bumped down on the, the roster, so to speak, and... And it kind of lost control of everything. So, uh, uh, well, I wrestled for Jody at Deep South uh, for like three years or so. Uh, I trained three months and I had my first match on TV, uh, which is saying a lot, you know. Uh, we, also, we also lost Bill Wilts all over the week, you know, so... Yeah, and he he went back and forth, you know. He he was a football player and uh, just a class act. And Larry's has always been a class act. I watched him in AWA before he even got in a bit. No, I I really didn't know. Uh, that's what I said. I just had to take the ball and run with it. You know, I was never appointed to that position. You know, I was in. Actually, in production, I built rings. I made four video games with EA Sports of Vancouver. Stan Hansen got us over in Japan, which is saying a lot because, you know, Stan don't help anybody if you can't tote the mail. So, uh, and it ain't nothing like being in a ring in Japan with Stan Hansen, Terry Gordy, and Dr. Death Steve Williams, you know? So, you know, he ain't couldn't see nothing, right? So, I mean, he takes his glasses off. He, he squinted. So, uh... He was blind. Was, <laughs> yeah, he was completely blind. And you got to take that lariat. You know, you got to take that lariat. And you're going, I hope I don't die. You know? <laughs> so, and then Andre, you know, uh, I actually worked for him over there, too. Uh, by then, he was deteriorated and, you know, when he go drop an elbow, he had to lean, get some ropes and all that. But, man, he was such a big guy. You know, they talk about, 
light, but you know, Andre was definitely uh Well he was a true giant, yeah. He was You yeah. know you know that movie he made, The Princess Bride? Yes. At the, at the end when they when they showed Andre riding away on the horse, it wasn't Andre. They had to use a stuntman dressed up because the horse couldn't carry Andre. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that, and I knew I didn't know Andre well because Andre was a you know what you would call a novelty in the business. He'd be in this territory for a month or so, and then another one, and then a different one in Japan. But I traveled with Andre a lot in Japan, and he loved to play cribbage. So we'd be sitting on the bullet train for a few hours, and me and Andre would play cribbage. You know, and, and had a good time. But yeah, he was a good guy. I mean, I didn't hang out with him much, but but he was a good guy. And and it was funny because you'd you'd watch Andre get off a plane and he'd be walking down through the airport, and there's you know people coming at him, you know, and there'd be fifty people or more walking past him the other way, but they would never look at him. As soon as Andre walked past them, people would stop and then turn around and look at him from behind, like, oh, my God, what the hell is that? But they wouldn't do it when he was coming at them. <laughs> he had to be the most uncomfortable guy in Japan to ever. Can you imagine him trying to sleep on a bed over there? Uh, oh, God, to try to get in a room. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? It's... A, Interesting story because they called me. They wanted me to come in and wrestle from the AWA. I still you know, retired the belt, I guess. And they brought me in. I wrestled a little bit, but then they teamed me up with Arn, and we became the enforcers. And me and me and and I was never like really into a tag team guy. I like being a single. But I was like you know forty, forty one years old maybe at this time, and been wrestling twenty years. And when they teamed me up with Arn, me and Arn clicked. Ar Arn was, you know, great in the ring. He got over with the people. When me and Arn teamed up and walked out of the dressing room, the crowd acted like they were back in the 70s. I mean, it was like, oh, I mean, the crowd popped. So, so me and Arn clicked good as a team. And I, I enjoyed, you know, working with him and traveling with him. He was a fun guy. We had a good time. And the interesting thing is, I never planned ever to be a color commentator or an announcer. Well, here's what happened, because Bill Watts was in at the time, you know, or he came in when me and Arn were the enforcers. And he started, I mean, the enforcers should have been gone a little longer. I, I would have liked it. It was, it was over. But he started a group. It would, you know, like the, uh, it was me, me and Arn and Bobby Eaton and Rick Rude and stunning Steve Austin, the dangerous alliance with Paulie. And I didn't like being, I, I didn't like, I didn't like the group thing. And I didn't like, and, and Bill Watson, you know, I didn't care for the way he did stuff. His idea was everybody over 40 should just get beat by Eric Watts. So, so what I did was when, when they started the group, the dangerous Alliance, I went, Oh, my knee hurts. So I got my fourth uh, little knee scope to clear out some cartilage tears. Right. 
So I, I, so I, I was home for a couple months rehabbing and got myself out of the Dangerous Alliance group. And while I'm sitting home, I get a call from, God, I can't remember some names, one of the executive producers that said, hey, Larry, can you do us a favor? Jesse the Body Ventura quit. And can you come down and voice over a couple of pre-tape shows for the syndicated markets we got? And I was sitting on a couple months rehabbing, getting paid, and went, yeah, hell, I got out. I'll come down. What the hell? So I went down and voiced over a few shows in his little room and voiced over the shows. And this guy came running in afterwards, and he said, holy shit, you're the greatest announcer we ever heard. Do you want to do the color commentating? We'll give you this much a year. And it was like double what I was making wrestling. That's when the, the one day a week for a ridiculous amount of money started. And I was thinking, I said, well, hell yeah. So, and I was like 42 maybe. And, and it, it, the, the broadcasting, you know, it saved my body. Thank God. And it also gave me, got 10 years of broadcasting, gave me a connection with two or three new generations of fans. You know, because... So it worked out great, but I never, ever planned to do that. But it just worked out so good, I couldn't pass it up. Somewhere around there, I ended up wrestling uh, for NWA, WCW for 22 years. So, uh, okay, they did approach me. Uh, they This is more tough enough for whatever that show was called that they tried to do. It was silly. Uh but Vince offered me a deal to come up there and move to Connecticut. And, you know, I, I just, you know, and, you know, even if you got a contract with Vince, I mean, it's dollar void, you know, it's, it, he could do anything he wanted to do. So I, I basically just turned it down because I was going to uproot my family, you know, on a, on a word and, you know, all that stuff and moved to Connecticut. Then he would turn around and fire me three weeks later, you know. So I did get offer, but I didn't go. I chose to stay here with my family and and uh, stuff. Uh, I don't remember now. Uh, it was a pretty good deal. I mean, it was a good deal. Uh, and uh, they wanted, he actually wanted something close to the power plant then, you know, uh, so, uh, but, you know, that's water underneath the bridge, you know, uh, but, you know, even now, Vince lets the guys go, I mean, left and right, I hear all the time, you know, and then they jump to AEW, you know, and, you know, look at White, you know, he, you know, he had run WCW and, uh, yeah. I go get him, Sarge. Uh, <laughs> Cody Rhodes, I mean, look at everything he's done, man. Now, you know, he's he's like a damn movie star, you know. Uh, but God bless him, you know. I wrestled with his brother, you know, all over the place, Dustin, all over the place before he went to WWE and did whatever he used to go dust and all that stuff, you know. But, uh, but yeah, I you know, I did a podcast not long ago to UK, uh, uh, Scotland and Ireland, and I didn't know what I was getting into, you know. Uh, but it, it was about two and a half hours, and I was like, "Oh my god," you know. But uh, 
Well, it's okay. You know, anything for the business, you know. But, uh, uh, but yeah, I, that's uh, after I did that interview is when I started watching AEW. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I watched it last night, Wednesday. Yeah, that, you know, and they started out with an eight-man tag, man. They, they, I mean, they were jumping everywhere. Uh, but anyway, it don't matter. Uh, <laughs> but I think if they, you know, uh, could, I, I think it'd be Vince. I really think they are. You know, uh, I think Vince. You know, I'm not sure yet. I mean, to be honest with you, I really hardly ever see any AEW. I uh, yeah, I haven't been at the to the performance center in like a year and a half with the COVID pain in the butt, but but that's like six miles from my house. So you know, so, so you know, I got a, a good relationship with the WWE, and they're right down the road, and I might get more involved in helping out some of the guys with their classes and stuff. But every Monday I watch Raw with a friend of mine who's one of the coaches, so we know what's going on. And then Tuesday I'll, I'll watch NXT because I haven't watched it for a while, so I'm trying to watch it to see what new guys are, you know, bringing Where? up and trying to work on. It's so by the time Wednesday comes, I really need a break from wrestling. <laughs> I watch so much. I, I really, to be honest, I really haven't seen hardly any AEW. I mean, like Sard said, eight-man tag. Sometimes I'll click, and you know, click on it or fast forward. But but every match, there's a lot of eight-man, six-man, four-man. There's always a whole bunch of guys flying around and and flipping and bouncing. And but I really don't know who most of the guys are, and I really haven't, you know, got into it to be honest with you. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, well, it's fun, but well, that's the thing. I mean, it's fun going down once in a while because it's close and I can help out some new guys I think will make it. But I'm not involved where I have to fly to a different city every week and, you know, get back in the grind and doing that. And then once in a while, I'll fly out and do an autograph signing at some convention, you know, or something. So it's like. Well, you know what? I mean, when I was young and doing it, I I loved being on the road in one way because it was a freedom. You you weren't involved in the world system of the rat race, nine to five, suit and tie, you know, sitting in traffic. You you lived a different life, kind of the life of a rock star or a movie star, you know, TV celebrity and. So you lived a different lifestyle, and I got a private pilot's license. So I used to fly myself a lot of nights up and back to the towns. So it was kind of a freedom from being, you know, stuck in the rat race of the world. And with that pinch of celebrity, but that was great. Well, yeah, because I was so tired of sitting, I was sick and tired of sitting in a car all day or all night. So I start flying little planes, you know, but, but when you're young and, but then after, you know, 40 years of that, now the idea of flying around every week is like old news to me, to a young guy, it's, you know, it should be great. 
Well, I got nowhere to go now. Back in the old days, I flew, I deducted it, and it could cost like 40 bucks an hour to rent a plane, you know, with the 180 or 50 bucks. Now it's probably two, 300 bucks an hour with the price of gas, and God knows what it costs now. And I got nowhere to go, so. And it's hard to get in them little planes at my age. <laughs> Well, uh, you know, the funny thing about that is, uh, Larry, you remember Janie Eagle, right? Oh, yeah, I remember Janie. Well, uh, she used to book my hotels for me. And, uh, you know, I didn't live the lifestyle of the Ric Flair and all that kind of stuff. I'd have me booked way across the uh, way from everybody. Sure, when Flair was buying drinks and buying food, I went down and took advantage of that. Then I went back to my room so I could get up the next day and go to the gym uh, and stuff. But, uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> Jane was a big help to me uh, over the years. And uh, I think she lives in Texas now and running a movie theater or something. But uh, I went down uh, uh, XFL when they were trying to take off. And uh, I actually drove a the ring down and uh, stuff. And uh, of course, I broke rings and all that kind of stuff people don't know about. But, uh, but uh, you know, and they're all, you remember WCWs? It was out of Douglas Fur. It wasn't a, it wasn't a damn metal bouncy ring, you know? Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, it's, it's night and day difference, you know? But, uh, you know, I, she helped me for, you know, staying away from trouble. You know, I, I didn't want to get no trouble. You know, I didn't want to get no fight. But, man, I've been in a bar, and the drunkest guy ever would go over and pick a fight with me. I could never figure it <laughs> out. You couldn't, you couldn't go mess with Rick Flair, Kent Buster Great. <laughs> Kent Buster Great. And you were going to go over and mess with me. I could never understand that. Well, a drunk person would yeah. think that. You know what? I'm proud to say this. I never drank my whole life. I, 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 I never drank alcohol when I, you know, my whole adult life. Okay. I, I think it should be illegal to tell you the truth. But so I never went to the bars. I never went to the bars after the shows. Yeah. I, like I said, I only went when Claire was the stuff. You know, I, you know Sure. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm right here. Uh Angelo, how you doing? Uh this is a guy that was on the card uh with uh, Larry Zabisco on a couple occasions. I wanna know how do I get my first class ticket to Larry Land. He's been ducking me for too long now. <laughs> First, first class. Yes, it is. Philadelphia. The name's boy. The name's vaguely familiar. Was that a while ago? Yeah, Larry. Well, how you doing, bud? Well, I'm doing good, but God, that had to have been a while ago. 
well, the first time I met you was in Trooper PA at an autograph signing. Uh, I had a table there set up. I was with a company at the time. And you were there. Dusty Rose was there. Virgil was there. Uh, Blue Meanie. And I got a picture with you there. And then I was on the card with you. I didn't, I didn't wrestle you. Um, you wrestled a guy named Demetrius Arion that night. And we were in uh, Wellsboro, PA. God, that must have been many moons ago. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, a, and there uh, was a bunch of them. I can't remember them all. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, wanna, I heard you were going to be on the show, and I wanted to call up and uh, see how you're doing. And the one question I always ask you when I see you is, how's your handicap? Well, the handicap ain't bad. I mean, I, I will confess <laughs> I moved up. <laughs> I moved from the uh, pro tees to back tees up to the regular men's tees because I can't <laughs> swing as loose as I used to. <laughs> uh, tell tell, me, tell me about that. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, you know, I, I've been so lucky. I, I think I'm the only wrestler in my age I know that has no artificial parts. So I've been really <laughs> lucky. <laughs> yeah. Well, Larry, I just want to say I... Uh... Again, again, it's an honor to speak with you. And uh, again, I, I oh, grew up you. watching you and watching you wrestle and wrestle uh, with Bruno, and you know, and watching you when you were down in Texas and the whole nine yards. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Very, not a problem. And Sarge, I hope you're doing well. It's an honor to speak to you. It's an honor to speak to you too, sir. So okay, look, I'm gonna I'm gonna clear the line so other callers can take in, uh, can get in, and guys, guys, it was great speaking to you. Take care. All right, yeah, have a good one, buddy. Can you can you hear me? <laughs> yeah, really, you know, because uh, right now I'm on my phone because as we're going to do this, uh, my internet crapped out, so. Yes, I do. Oh, Sarge. Yeah. What is your opinion on storylines in professional wrestling? Well, you know, back in the day, sure, we got our finish. But, I mean, we called it in the ring on the fly, you know, even on TV. Uh, nowadays, I don't know. And I'm not trying to knock Vince or nothing. I'm not. I'm not here to do that or knock anybody. Uh, but you know, up there, uh, they. I don't know how they can remember all the crap they were being told because uh, they got writers and all that kind of stuff. And uh, and then Vince would step in at last minute, change everything. Uh, but I'm sure that's happening in other sports too. But. Uh, but back in the day, and Larry could uh, verify this for me. Back in the day, I mean, we got our finish. Uh, I remember in Japan, we got our finish on tape recorder. <laughs> you know, and you didn't know if they could speak English or not. So, uh, unless you hit them hard enough, uh, and which I did. Uh, I've been known to be stiff, but 
that's the way I was trained, and I never, I never veered off of that, you know. And I think what made the power plant so great, you know, was that, you know, I trained Neil just like I was trained. So, uh, you know, so, you know, uh, but anyway, uh, I don't know how they follow the storylines because of how everything's formatted and everything these days. Uh, because, you know, back, back in me and Larry's days, I mean, yeah, we got finished, but we called it in the ring on the fly. We did TV. Well, there was always a speculation that he was getting paid double, uh, from WWE and WCW to draw our ratings down. Uh, and it was his idea that turned Goldberg into a heel. I don't know if you remember that, but in Bill, I think that was the worst decision ever. But uh, I like Vince. I mean, I always got along with him, you know, and stuff. But uh, I know that that was a speculation at the time, and a lot of people didn't like him. So but I, I wasn't one of those guys, you know. I know Bill didn't like him. Uh, you know, when he's sitting through that fence, you know, the uh, case. And now it. I sure do. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, you know me, and I'm all often imitated, never duplicated, so. <laughs> All right, Larry. The Monday Night Wars, did that hurt wrestling or did it make wrestling better? Well, it made wrestling better and huge. I mean, the Monday Night Wars, because wrestling kind of, you know, it's like every other business. It, it hits a peak and then the programming, you know, gets to be, you know, used up. So it's got to be reinvented. Just like TV shows, you love them, you watch them for four or five years, and you go, God, that's my favorite show, but isn't there another show on now? You know, because you've seen it a bunch. But when the wrestling wars started, it was, you know, something brand new for the first time ever. And the ratings wrestling was doing was like an 11. It was, I mean, we crushed, you know, football and basketball and every other sport. So, I mean, it was, it was probably the hottest wrestling ever was and maybe the hottest wrestling ever will be i don't know we'll see <laughs> <laughs> all right so sarge yeah. being the being the head trainer for wcw i've heard a couple stories about how you work people and you made them violently sick yeah. Is it, was it your, did you have to do that or was it a power trip because you were the head? No, it wasn't a power trip by no means. I mean, I trained people just like I was trained and, you know, uh, Back in that day, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I talk to people. I tell them exactly what they're doing and everything, every aspect of what they're going to expect. So if I tell you everything we're going to do and you show up and you're not in shape, that's their fault. 
because uh, I've been challenged at squat, hit these squat contests. I did 1,750 in a row. Uh, uh, by one of my students, <laughs> but uh, other people wouldn't sit down. <laughs> they knew what was going to happen. But it wasn't a power trip, by, by no means, on my part. Uh, yeah, I've heard some bad stuff talked about me, and, you know, that's okay. Uh, you know, life is life, you know, but, uh, but no, uh, you know, uh, I mean, over the three places that the power plant was, I mean, I've trained over a hundred and something people that made top money in the business. So, you know, so how could you say, right? That's why it was, well, that, that was what the power plant was all about. You know, uh, I, I mean, and then, you know, once I started working with the guys and, uh, you know, and it is a three day trial, you know, uh, Sure, we have 25 or 30 guys. I mean, military, all aspects. I mean, I, I trained Mongo, Kevin Green, uh, you know, Bill Kazmaier, you know. Uh, uh, but anyway, uh, it, it wasn't no power trip by me. It, it was what it was at that day, you know. Uh, today, uh, you know, you go to these performance centers and they're like pampered. The people, you know, so, you know, and you had to earn your spot back then, you know, uh, these days, I, I don't know where to get it from, but, you know, uh, but, yeah. Well, you, you know what, it's, I mean, when I watch it, the, the thing that's kind of missing a little bit is, I mean, if you look at the guys in the ring, they're they're really amazing athletes, and people don't realize you know how great shape you got to be in to do this, and they're amazing athletes, and they're doing amazing things. They're hopping up to the top rope and doing two back flips and landing on guys, and they're also doing ridiculously dangerous stuff. You know, flipping off the top turnbuckle, crashing through two tables on a guy in a crashing through a steel ladder and bending it. Yeah, I mean, you got, but the thing that's missing is you got, you know, both, both guys in the ring and they're both doing really phenomenal stuff and amazing stuff. But I'm looking at it and I'm going, who's the good guy and who's the bad guy? Because they're exactly. both like doing great stuff. How can well, you hate someone if they're doing great stuff? So I think the good guy, bad guy thing's a little missing. It's missing. And then telling a story in the ring is missing, you know? Well, uh, yeah, well, well, that's what makes the guy a bad guy or a good guy, the story. That's the, that's what makes the good guy and the bad guy. Right now, they're all like the same. They're, they're all great, you know. <laughs> Longevity is not going to be there. You know, they're not going to last as long as me and Larry have lasted, you know, uh, crashing through tables and all that stuff. And, and what a hold, man. Uh, you know, uh, sure, I'd lock up the guy, go around behind him, waste it, take him down. He sit out, sit out, sit out, sit out behind me, and I sit out, sit out. I can't get away. I go to the ropes. 
you know? It, you tell the story while you're you're wrestling, you know? Sure, I'm the bad guy, but I can wrestle. But he can out-wrestle me. That gives you a reason to do what? Cheat behind the referee's back. But everything's done in front of the referee now. So uh, that's truly what's missing, the storytelling of the whole deal. Oh, guys, it's over already? Sounds great to me. Yeah, and Angelo, anytime, brother. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, well, good night to you, and good luck, Sarge. Thank you, sir. I love you, man. Love you back. We're the boys. (laughs) Exactly. Thank you, guys.